Dharma talk is, again, just observe number seven. So give it a few of these talks, and uh, you can let me know when you finally get it. So the idea here, not only when you're facing the wall, holding still, holding this posture, holding still, just holding still, and just observing whatever is moving, but take some time to do that because we... <laughs> When we're trying to do that, we often see how we just continue to pile on stuff about this, about that I should have done this, I should be doing that. When I get up, I'm going to take care of this and take care. Maybe I should get up early. No, I need to sit a while longer. Constant chit-chat with ourselves. And it is not about stopping that. So that's a easily uh, can be misunderstood. Well, I need to stop doing that. No, you don't need to stop or start anything. You need to... But be aware of what it is. So that's why the the, the idea, the the suggestion, the uh, around uh, the technique is to just observe whatever it is. Just just observe what it is. And if you do that, you'll notice how maybe not right away you'll feel like, think like, assume that you're observing, and actually you're adding on. So it takes a while for you to eventually see that. Not only am I observing that, I'm inventing more stuff to go with it. I was going to say that other expletive. Uh, what, was it, what was it called? Karumba? No, something like that. So you know, we watch how we keep putting little little comments, little post-it notes and side notes and so on. Constant commentary. Constant comment, like the T. <laughs> So this is where we train to strengthen the observing part, just observe, the, that observer part, which you might think would create a strong identity, but actually not. It doesn't really do that, maybe for a little while. Because what starts to show up is the, the fallacy or the imposter that is behind the consciousness that we call a self or an ego, or in this uh, Yogacara tradition, the seventh consciousness, the consciousness that is paranoid. Uh, what am I getting? What am I losing? Who's threatening me? Who compliments me? Who, this and that. What's going well? What's not going so well? And the same kind of practice will spontaneously begin to arise at the kitchen table, at work, with your coworkers, with your <clears throat> friends, students, your enemies. At the excuse me, the grocery store, you will begin to see you could say more deeply into whatever is happening instead of just the surface thing that is always a great um, dry erase marker for all of your comments and thoughts. It's like we're writing all over everything that happens to us. We can't actually see what is there. We we have our interpretations on top of that. This is a, in the, the teaching of the three natures, which some of you, quite a few of you have studied, and I've talked about many times. Uh, this is the imaginary nature, Parikalpata. What are we covering up? By doing that, we're covering up dependent origination, the very thing that the Buddha saw when he awoke. Everything is dependently arisen. There's no separate person, being, thing anywhere. So just observe. Very simply. And when we are just observing our comments, spontaneous, someone does this or does that, and there's a kind of a spontaneous dependently arisen. So it's not you commenting on it. It's just dependently arisen. There's no one commenting. I don't care how crazy you are, there's still no self. I don't care how confused your your partner is, your boss is, your coworker, your friend, your dog. Well, dogs aren't too confused. Is your dog confused? 
Probably not as bad as you are. Probably. Probably. <laughs> She's my second teacher. She is, yes. I would agree. So what arises is the observing, watching, strengthen the awareness part rather than the interpretation, critical thinking, categorizing, uh, praising, complaining. And if you have the praising and the complaining or, or either one or both are coming and going, then just watch those. So as I sometimes say, back back up a quarter of an inch. That doesn't mean there's actually a quarter of an inch that you can measure, but it's just slightly, if you you can almost feel using that uh, visual uh, metaphor, you can feel that there's a, a way to work with the consciousness where you're just stepping back slightly. You're looking at it, it gives you a little bit bigger picture, which might include how <clears throat> how frightened the person is that is uh, being aggressive with you. You might not have seen that, might have just seen the aggression and want to do something about the aggression or tell them they have no right to think that way or no right to do this or whatever. And so you back up a little bit and you can see they're frightened. It's helpful because then uh, the tendency for you necessarily to go in and oppose them or give them back, give them a, what do they say, a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> so just observing seems to seems to show up as items, you could say, that show up. Someone's conflicted or someone is giving you a hard time. You're just observing that. And actually, it doesn't feel too good. You're observing that part. And then you see their, their suffering. You see what they're doing. And then all kinds of emotions can come up around that. Sadness can come up around that. Uh, just feeling defeated, like I'm never going to get anywhere. This is ego talking. There's a little kind of explainer in the background, you know, around the corner, three blocks away, just around the corner, right behind the trash can. You know what I'm talking about. It's that little tiny telling you that you're somebody and you don't deserve that or you should you should get more or you. Uh, <clears throat> it's just a constant uh, reification of some kind of solidity somewhere that is somebody who can win or lose. Live or die. And of course, that's supported by all of the other things that are in our relative situation, night and day, up and down, back and forth, upstairs, downstairs, all the polarities that are everywhere. And the way this is sometimes mentioned, and the way I'm about to mention it now, is you can't have one of them without the other one. They're together. You can't have night without day. If you just had day, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what day was. There could be no name for it. Just be day. Like the People at the North Pole. No, those are are penguins at the North Pole. Or the South Pole. South. Who said that? Okay. <laughs> I just one of it. No, if it's somebody that I can believe. Not that I believe that. And some of that observing may go, may go into the way in which we make assumption, the way which which we believe something is true or we believe something is false, or we don't believe that. Those, those are very uh, uh, fishy because they tend to magnetize our, our hope and fear, hope for things better, or things get better, fear that they're gonna get worse, and so on. So sitting on the cushion, it's a very simple exercise and to use, to go back to the, the uh, metaphor I use all the time is a knife blade, <laughs> works a little bit. Sometimes it works pretty good, sometimes it doesn't hold up very good, but it's like sitting down is just like sharpening a blade that when you get up, 
using the intelligence, the insight, even the analysis is like having a sharp blade that's not encumbered with lots of problems or issues about believe, disbelieve, it's right, it's wrong, I should, I shouldn't, and all those things that get in the way of actually cutting through something or actually seeing how things are related. Sometimes call that a butter knife. When, when you don't, you try to cut celery with a butter knife. You can do it. It's just, you have to get help. So I've given several talks on with, of this title. And the reason is uh, because I don't know what to say. So I think up some, <laughs> this is a good title. And also because I really, I really feel like this is something that needs to be emphasized. This just observing, not only in the cushion, but when you're in an interaction with someone that you're having some difficulty or misunderstanding about, or they're blaming you for something insofar as you can, and you may not be able to, you're not going to get a gold star out of it particularly, but you may be able to hold your seat, hold your feet where they're at, remember gravity, remember how your clothes feel, include the other senses. So you, there's some possibility that you actually could receive. Start by receiving the things that are not threatening. Gravity is not threatening. How your clothes feel is not threatening. The color of the wall is not threatening, but the sound of someone's voice coming at you may be threatening because it's because if they're threatening in such a way that it, it triggers, which quite often people that you're in a close relationship with uh, will trigger things, triggers something that you have not <coughs> made friends with, then it looks like that person, because of this intense feeling that comes up, it looks like that person's causing that. And it's not that they don't have a little bit happening there. They're upset about something. They might be taking issue with something you're doing. But a lot of times the emotion that, that arises is kind of out of proportion with uh, what is happening. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's uh, horrible. Is this vodka? <laughs> no, that's not vodka. Sake. <laughs> no, it's sparkling water. Yes. Questions about that? Yes, sir. If we make friends with a part of ourselves that had gotten triggered before, does it change the dynamic of that area? Sure. You may not get rid of it. It may come or it may, but you're not, you're not concerned with it anymore because it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of ruffles around the corner that could, that could be activated again. That resonance is still going to be there. It's just that there isn't any one, any person who is, uh, who, uh, is, that's their property or that's their, so it's, it's just understood more. It's a good question. Go ahead. Can we have a relationship that, that seems to not belong to somebody in different stages? Say more. Can there be certain parts or aspects of our mind body complex that we can see as not belonging to us, but still be attached to other parts of ourselves? That's very complicated. Could you paraphrase yourself? And seeing no self coming steps. Yes. The beginning stages are seeing no self, no self. When you actually see it completely, there's, there isn't anyone to see no self. So there isn't anything. There isn't anything else. Then anything that arises is, is this. It's sometimes called, the fancy word for it is uh, suchness. It could be called Buddha nature. But there isn't anyone who's gotten anywhere. There isn't anywhere to get. There isn't anything else to do. And there's nothing been concluded or excluded. More. Too much? Just right? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, when someone's coming at you with aggression and you take yeah. a quarter step back, a quarter of an inch, and you may just see that they're frightened. Yeah. Is seeing that they're frightened also commentary? It could be. 
but it also might be just you're just seeing that you haven't necessarily said something about it. What In is, other words, you haven't you haven't you haven't turned your perception of what that is into some kind of uh, naming or speculation or analytical spinning. Go ahead. What does frightening look like when it's just being observed? Yeah, good question. It could show up as very um, uh, some uh, personalized in some way. It could show up. It, it might it, it might resonate with your knowing what it feels like to be frightened. So you might see it as uh, you understand it because you felt that way. So so it would be you. It wouldn't be so much you'd be seeing it there as you you understand it. It's like uh, and, and it gets depending on your. Practice level, you could say, which I don't know if you call it a level, but your degree of which you uh, intend to train your mind to see clearly uh, could show up in different ways. It might show up that way. It might show up as a, uh, it's not coming back at an image for a moment, but it's the, I think it's different with each um, a situation. It could change. There's nothing you can depend on. Oh, here's this. Oh, now I know what this is now. That probably won't happen. There'll be some vagueness around that, where you're not really sure of what you're looking at with the person. But there will be, there won't particularly be any uh, letting somebody off the hook. You still feel their aggression. You still know that they don't even know that they're afraid. They're covering it up with their their bluster or whatever it may be. But you can see that it's fear, and you know that it's fear because you understand that because you've done that. They may not even know they're covering up. Fear, passion, with aggression and ignorance. Those are the three. There's some version of that happening with people most of the time. Unless it's not. And if it's not happening, then there isn't anything to do more. When I do see that fear and I go, oh, they're afraid. That's too much. Yeah. So how do I I, I go deeper into that? Uh, don't, Don't do anything with it, but look at it. But if you, as soon as you say, oh, they're afraid, you've actually put a lid on it and you've solidified or you've uh, what was that other word I used congealed Congealed. yeah you've congealed yeah does congeal mean bring together mean you take apart can what are you asking if you congeal or can you congeal can you congeal (laughs) (laughs) that's like canoe canoe (laughs) I have a paddle I (laughs) can't <laughs> so anyway, the if, if you see it, then watch that you're projecting on top of that. Then observe that. Then just observe whatever arises. Just observe what you do with it. Don't do anything with anything. So just receive. If you receive, then you'll notice that it, it you may be able to receive what it actually is, and you may uh, you may add on to it. It may have to have some credentials before it can get in the gate of your consciousness. Can you? When something is congealed and you've already come to a conclusion, is it possible to like uncongeal to, to reverse the process? I guess I'm asking. So I've come to a conclusion. It's hard to just receive when the conclusion's already taken place. So how can I open that lid back up? And just keep, just continue. Don't you don't have to open up. Just continue to look at it. At that each time that comes up, look at it. And insofar as you can, don't. <clears throat> Don't elaborate. Anything that's appearing, the the anger is coming at you, and then you're looking at it, and you're kind of, the fear is kind of showing up somehow. But don't add anything to it, and don't make no demands on it, and don't change 
one thing and just don't swap this out for that. Don't don't change the aggression. The aggression needs to be received. And then right behind it is the fear, so to speak. Do nothing with it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. It'll do whatever it needs to do. And this is actually what you're doing here is you're training there, training yourself to not object to dependent origination and also not agree with it. So you're actually your causes and conditions are fluctuating and fluctuating and you and your uh, awareness uh, is watching that and your awareness has no particular location anywhere. And actually to take that even even further, uh, once uh, one has understood that there's no solid self or no solid person, then you can be solid or not be solid. You can be everywhere at once, or you can be uh, just behind the wheel of your car. You can, you can, then you're not limited. There's no walls of the mind anymore, as it says in the Heart Sutra that you chanted a while ago, without walls of the mind. And you can't remove them. Uh, and you, can't, you can't build them. You can't do anything with them. You just have to see, see that there's that obstruction and see that that's unreal and it's based on uh, fear. Yes. So that... Let's say whatever emotion you were just imagining between the two of you arises in consciousness, mm-hmm. and we're um, trying to not engage with one of the poisons. Is it even too much? I, to I didn't say try not to engage. I don't. I don't I'm okay. just trying to help you. Yeah, but that's so. so that's a perception. Just trying to be of help. You Christina. are. You are always <laughs> helpful. So it's a perceptual thing, almost. This three poison. Delineation. Yeah. Yeah, you see pushing, pulling, and shutting down, basically. Okay, go ahead. So if one just even acknowledges that the anger is there or whatever, is that still the using a, a, one of the poisons? Well, we're not trying to stop using them. So, yes, it could be. We're just trying to get get its awareness and get it all into view. And then if it needs to be there, it's there. If it needs to go away, it's there. We can't. You can't find the first cause for anything. So sometimes... Aggression is going to be your situation over and over again. And another time, the aggression will back off and there'll be more grasping or more uh, more fear happening or fear of losing something. Or there might be more shutting down, backing out, making excuses for reasons to get out of here. So it's always about the awareness of that rather than, than trying to stop this part and start that part or manipulate. Be with all things. Whatever happens... That's it. Be so there. those yes. three pointers of the three poisons are huh? more like do not perce- are they perceptions then? Well, it's the energy of uh, just very simply it's the energy of grasping, which is passion, and there's lots of different nuances and ways of talking about it. And then there's the gra- uh, grasping, and then there's the energy of aggression, which is pushing or throwing away or killing. And then there's the, the and then they're shutting down or distracting yourself into something else or just wanting to not watch what's happening or observe that. So it's just the way it's the way in which the mind or the self-centeredness seems to, the way it seems to function in order to continue to be somebody who is losing or not losing, but be somebody who is winning and safe and staying ahead of the game, so to speak, manipulating ourselves and manipulating others, getting some kind of, satisfaction or some kind of conf- artificial temporary confidence out of having controlling lots of people. We see this all the time with our families and jobs. And it's, it's interesting to meet somebody who's really, really intelligent. Maybe he has three or four 
degrees, and uh, and yet to see that they that they're, they're that they're not there's no mind training happening there because they're so uh, embedded in their thought process that they, there's no space around anything. They're really smart, and if you engage in a conversation with them, you're probably going to have to lose because they, they 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 don't they don't have anything other than their logic and their reason and their praise and blame and who's at fault and who's not. And they'll spell it right out for you, maybe in three languages. So to meet someone who uh, who can think, but who, who is functioning out of an open dimension, this, this uh, person is not particularly going to conclude anything or ex- exclude anything. Yes, Jim? Um, it seems like uh, something will spark a uh, reaction where I conceptualize that it's, you know, someone's angry or someone's sad or, or whatever. Uh, can you then go return to that? You see that you've labeled it and had that reaction, then just kind of, it seems like that, if that dynamic is still working, there's an opportunity to go back and, and do more just receiving of what's, of what's happening. You could, if it's something that's repeating a lot. You, if someone is getting upset with you about something, and then the three days later they get upset. But that's what you're talking about. Then the yeah. same, thing. or even if they're just standing there and they're angry. Yes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so for, you can use the senses. Uh, sometimes I talk about that, or just stay in your senses. Your the sense of touch is is not really. It could be being deceitful, but generally it's speaking. Clothes feel like clothes, and. The gravity's holding you here, and you're embodied. Some kind of groundedness is, has a little bit of stability to it. And just begin by receiving things that there's no threat. Receive colors, receive sounds, receive, and then then at some point, uh, and it, that point could be in uh, in, a, in a split second. Just excuse me. Just flash on this, and then receive whatever they're saying. And insofar as you can, uh, just a metaphor, but just treat it like weather. Even though it's a person who's scowling at you and is upset with you, just treat it like weather as far as you can. And if you, and if you can't, then treat it like uh, whatever it arises. If you you have to you have to include your own retaliation or anger with what's coming, because if you try to be better than them, be someone who is not uh, not angry when you actually are angry, then that that. And that gets circular too. And the next thing you know, you've just got to, you know, you're swimming in jello, lime jello. You want to color. Congealing. It's congealing. <laughs> yes. Congenial congealing. Yes. It does mean. Um, when you, um, let's say I'm sitting and meditating, and then the thing that comes to mind is, oh, my clay pottery is drying. I haven't been able to, I need to go there and do etc. Whilst it's happening, I'm not aware, but there comes a point when the thought stops and I think to myself, oh, I've been thinking about my pottery. Yes. Then, is that all that's necessary or should, does it come up as to, I wonder why that's so important to me. What's your question? My question is, is that further analysis? I like pottery. (laughs) (laughs) is the further analysis 
only have to be aware of the further analysis. You don't have to stop it. Okay. Just, just, just notice that there's an elaboration going on. When we say, when I say, and other teachers say, no elaboration. We're not, we're not saying you can just stop elaborating. But by saying that, then that, that helps us see that something is happening and then we have an elaboration about it. So you have to see the elaboration before you meddle with it or find the off switch or find out where it's getting its fuel from. Because everything that any kind of energy is fueled by, uh, in some way, by some other aspect. Uh, it's not separate. And that's why there's a fuel line going there. So it's uh, connected up. So being able to see that is, uh, that's how it's done. We have to see that and see that and see that. And it's, it can be frustrating because part of seeing that is seeing there isn't any way to turn that off. So this helps us as a solid separate being that we believe in that should succeed at this, uh, helps us start seeing there's no solid person there that can turn it off. So there's a fundamental <laughs> to use the fancy word in the, uh, in the tradition, uh, there's a renunciation that happens. It is not about giving, not about giving something up. It's about seeing that there's no way. It's uh, the other word that I've used for that just recently is uh, hopeless. Hopelessness, hopelessness is not a bad thing. It's just true. <laughs> it's just true. It's hopeless. But if you're, as I've said before, and I'm, say, I'm saying again now because I think it's important in order to really be fearless, you, there has to be hopelessness because those are those are two sides of the same uh, doubloon. <laughs> or I mean Bitcoin, excuse me. Bring it up today. <laughs> hope and fear. Hope for that and fear that that's going to happen. Hope, we hope that we get better, but what if we get worse? Just, j just watch. Don't join either side. Don't vote. Well, at least in this case. There's a few other cases where you probably should vote because because that's the way the structure is and you and you have to participate. So you might have to do some voting. Um, some teachers um, teach like a stabilization practice, such as breath awareness, that leads into open yeah. awareness practice. Mm -hmm. um, but you seem intentional about not doing that. I do, and I'm wondering what is your intention behind just chicken taza. Chicken Taza isn't just Chicken Taza. It actually is mindfulness awareness practice. But the mindfulness awareness practice is is more aligned and more um, harmonized or with your particular uh, karma, your style, who you are. Whereas the other ones are, which I taught, Shamatha Vipassana, mindfulness awareness, Laktam, Shine, Shine, Laktam, for years. I was trained in that in 1978. And I taught people, I was taught that, I practiced it, I practiced it a lot. And then I taught others to do that. And it just took a long time, decades, for me to realize that that might not be helpful to do that. I'm not arguing with any Tibetan lamas. They should do whatever they want to do. And if they're teaching, then they should do whatever they want to do. But to me, the way it looks as is that you... That, that you will, if you do shikantaza, there are times when you'll be doing mindfulness practice in the traditional sense. You'll be just watching what's coming and going, watching the breath coming and going, watching your heartbeat for that matter, watching your diaphragm move, uh, maybe watching, even watching thoughts come and go. You're watching movement. And uh, and then there uh, there's another asp aspect to it where you're no longer watching anything. There's just op open space, open dimension. It's called Mahavipassana. And I'm saying that, that someone who comes to me who's 
19, 20 years old has never meditated before. I'm not going to start them out uh, following their breath and have them follow their breath for three or four years. I want them to know right now what this is, if it's possible. So sit down, hold still, watch what moves. I don't know where they're at. I, I don't know where their karma is or what they're ready for, but they know where you know, each person knows what they're ready to do. You've noticed that when you sit, sometimes you follow your breath for a while. Sometimes you daydream. This is awareness. It's about awareness. It's not about building a meditator. This is just a misunderstanding as far as I can see. And maybe maybe the misunderstanding is mine. Perhaps uh, I will, you know, when I reach 85 or 90, I'll go back to teaching Shine Lockdown. But, but the idea there is uh, that I'm uh, endeavoring to help people with by teaching people to meditate is to is to uh, sit down and hold still and watch what moves. This will allow you to find your own, whether you need to, sometimes I talk to people about their meditation personally, one-on-one in the hojo, and I, and I actually tell them to count their breath for a while. So when you start the first 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, just count your out breaths. Um, there's a way that His Holiness, the 17th Karmapod teaches a, a shine uh, by saying, uh, out breath, one, in breath, one, out breath, two, in breath, two. That's very, very tight <coughs> holding on to uh, that. So I don't teach that. I mean, I might, if I met somebody I, that I thought that might be a good thing for them to do that. But usually, um, in most cases, people just, uh, if they just do uh, shikantaza, they'll find their own. And we'll talk about it if, because I don't have hundreds of students. But what, a dozen, two dozen students, maybe? I don't know. But so I'm able to talk to each person about their practice. Some people I have practicing one way, some people I have practicing another way. As you know, if you talk to me very much, you know uh, how I do that. I do it where you're at, not where trying to get you to live up to something. I might even tell you to stop meditating. Oh, I rarely do that. You can always ask me, say, can I stop meditating? <laughs> see what I say. Do you have a question? No, I was just laughing at that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's the difference between the... Uh, go ahead. What's the difference between the stabilization that occurs through watching your breath and the stabilization that occurs through just observing? So stabilization that occurs through watching the breath is, uh, and this is only descriptive. I don't mean it critical. It's, it's kind of artificial. You're going to have to deal with that eventually. You're creating, uh, uh, you're working with the awareness in such a way that you're solidifying a meditator. And then then at some point, you're going to have to step out of that situation uh, into spaciousness. I would say, let's start in the space and see how much of that, how many, uh, uh, how many floorboards you need under that. Maybe you don't need any. So I, I, I teach to the person. Not uh, I wasn't trained that way because my teacher had thousands of students, my first teacher. And he, he was teaching out of his tradition. I mean, we were both about the same age. I think he was a couple years older than I was in our early 30s. He was teaching how he'd been taught. He might not even be teaching that way if he were still alive. I don't know. Uh, it was interesting because the very first instruction I got from him, from him was more like what I teach now. You didn't say it the same way, as, but, but no, no technique. Sit down, eyes open, meditate. Now what? So you didn't get that. Later on, enough people complained that he started teaching uh, shamatha.
I mean, uh, yeah, shamatha, ba- basic training to to stabilize. Watch the breath, follow the breath, count out breaths one to ten, count the out breath and the in breath, breath one to ten, or some kind of technique. Or concentrate on a little image of the Buddha or on a marble or on some object. That's another way of doing it, shamatha practice or shine. More about that? Yeah, um, um, Shannon Suzuki said the best way to control um, somebody or something is to give it an open field. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, um, well, what is control and how does that relate with Chikantaza? To control, the way you know something uh, is uh, that the way you know about control is that you find out something you can't do. You can't really control doesn't really work the whole idea of control a little bit but it's it's never quite as much as we want to do like you can't control your feelings or control your emotions even though we're told that by our parents and you need to control yourself you ever been told that where is she there she is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, it's not that there isn't some control. The the control or the the, the discipline part of a sitting practice, I think, of just getting to the cushion, sit down, and then experience what's what's out of control. Control you can we can control the body. If we can get our body to the cushion to sit down and hold still, we hold this posture because it's symmetrical and it's because it's not something we do casually. Whereas we do this casually, so uh, this works okay. But I think this is a little better for that, having done both pretty extensively. And then watch what continues to go this way or go that way or get larger, get smaller and change and change. And, and notice that you there, there isn't the whole idea of control. What needs to be looked at there? Is there a controller? So the way uh, Suzuki Roshi is talking about uh, in the larger sense by giving the cow a big field, a big pasture, Oh, it's we got a lot of room to move around. It's very similar to a shikantaza, has a similar kind of feeling. Sit down, hold still, and then don't don't put any boundaries, no walls. We already we already have enough walls in our mind already based on hope and fear, and based on uh, trepidation about this or that, or being threatened or not, or being uh, embarrassed or being having someone make fun of us. Christina. The little Sangha up in Tosky, we were reading, cutting through, and Choyam Champa says that there is no one mind. And um, I'm tempted to try to understand that with my intellect. <laughs> um, but that wouldn't be the way to understand that, I guess. What's your question? Could you help us understand what he you Ask me a question. I don't know what. I don't he, want to have um, you speak for him, but do you think there's a one mind, or is, I wouldn't use that concept. No, I, I don't say we're all one. I don't say there's one mind. No, don't say that. Mm-hmm. I don't think if I do, then somebody should ask me. Well, why are you saying that? Yes. Is it is it fair to um, express yes. it this way? Um, is it consciousness? Uh, we're all sharing consciousness, but we each have no. perceptions. No, no, don't go there. Mind. Don't go there. Okay. And the reason I say don't go there is it's too 
It's too much like tracking down how it works. Don't do that. Uh-huh. You know, there's no way you're going to be able to track this down. If you think there is, you're going to get migraines. Okay. It's difficult. I'm not saying not saying we can't do something with it. But we're 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 being as scientific as we can without going into some kind of uh, a scientific materialism that's looking for results all the time. Uh, if a if a, someone exploring uh, a continent, say thousand thousand years ago, a jungle had ideas about what they're going to find, then you know it would just it wouldn't work because you're not going to find what you think you're going to find. You're going to find what you find, which is like you know. Suddenly, you run into a, a bird you've never seen before. You run into a tree with roots in the air. They actually have those in South America. Some trees just to say, I'm going to put my leaves underground, my roots in the air. Screw them. <laughs> Jim. Uh, I wonder when, when you uh, shifted to Chicken Taza, did you notice quite a change in your own practice at the time? I haven't noticed many changes in a long time. I, I didn't even, it was kind of vague. I, I just, I just heard myself talking different about it. So it was not a decision. I did not evaluate it. I mean, I'm not saying evaluation hasn't happened, but I wasn't doing it. I didn't get included in my own thought process somehow. I don't know how that worked. That's a good question, but there was no, was sometimes say, well, when did you, when did you, I don't know. There was a big boundary back in the early 60s, and there was quite a change in 1977 when I was in retreat, but but I didn't notice anything changed. It was just a change in understanding about things, and then and then it's just taken decades to get, <laughs> become more clear about it where I felt like I could even sit here in front of people and talk to them about what to do. I've spent a lot of time having ideas about what was, what was being taught, but not doing anything about it and listening to other people talk. So... Yeah, not real, no real boundary, and that's why I would say recommend everybody to just just practice. When it's time for you to teach, you won't be able to help it, but don't teach until you it's time to do that. Not that you can't if you're already a teacher. Not that you can't teach, of course, but teaching meditation, uh, keep it very simple. If you're going to teach meditation, just teach the technique. Don't do too much interpreting for people. Not that you can't repeat something. What Nagarjuna said, or Vasubandhu, or what I said, or Trump or Rinpoche, or anybody else. Study the material all the time. I deliberately have everyone who's students of mine study other people's teaching over and over again. We study it all the time, and it's fun, huh? <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't, I don't remember any anything. It's very, uh, it's like. It's like walking, uh, like a, a, a what is it? Um, Suzuki Roshi had a very good image for this, which would get, makes me have some affinity for his uh, his um, uh, understanding. He says it's like uh, walking in a fog. When you start out, you're very dry, but then you, and then you notice your robes are soaking wet. So it's kind of like that. You don't know when it happened. You just you're no longer confused by anything nothing is confusing and i'm not saying it's not confusing to uh try to figure out how to change the blades on a one of those that grinder you have the juicer the juicer and how to change i'm not saying it's not confusing of course it is but this is not confusing yes does that lie behind what you just said does that lie behind your stress of uh realization not being an experience yes it's not, it's not something that suddenly happens. Because if it's something that suddenly happens, 
And you can read uh, a spontaneous realizers, uh, if, you know, Ramana Maharshi. So when it, when it spontaneously happened to him, he went into retreat for 20 years. He didn't teach. Yuji um, uh, Krishnamurti, he referred to it as the calamity. He didn't refer to it as this wonderful time where I became enlightened. It was a calamity. It was terrible. If you ever hear him teach, he's on YouTube. And he's, you know, he's passed on, but he's just a, he's hilarious. He yells at people and scolds them. He's quite the powerful. Uh, he gets real indignant because people don't understand him. <laughs> so yes. are, the, are the experiences, uh, insights that happen along the way, can they be part of the fog then? That, um, yeah, of course they are. So of course, and they would be different for each person. Some people have insights, but you'll notice when you have an insight about something, it starts to dissolve. You can't use it as a support to kind of get more insights. And, you know, this is called uh, spiritual materialism, which is what Trungpa Rinpoche addresses in his, in his book. Machine. It appears the more I meditate, the more confused I get. I'm glad to hear that. What? So you say things just get clear. What is that confusion? You get clear about your confusion. That's what the Buddha did. The Buddha became more and more clear about how crazy the world was he get and he got more and more i don't know it wasn't there but the way i understand the teaching which i didn't understand for a long time he got more you know there's no one here there's no solid person there's sure there's someone talking here but there's no solid person here and as long as there's a solid person there's going to be some objection to the confusion but when you see the confusion deeply see it with your heart don't do it with your mind don't do it with your gut See it with that. Don't separate yourself from the confusion. Be confused. Be confused. That's then. That's when you begin to have insight. You want to call it insight into not separate, not separate, not separate. Just keep, keep going. So it may sound terrible what you're saying, but to me, I'm delighted to hear you say that. Not because I want you to suffer, because I know what you have to go through. <laughs> Everyone else has their own version of it. Everyone has a version. That is just as intense, probably, but your particular situation is powerful. That's why I say just keep sitting, keep sitting. Seeing the confusion, if you have to see all of it, though, you can't just see your own little, you know, storage building. See all the confusion, everyone, everybody, everywhere, see the confusion. That's liberation. And suddenly the, 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 the observer and the observed collapse into the perception. Just a way of talking about it, using concepts. Fundamentally, nothing happens. There is no one. There is no other. More. Good question. Thank you, Jim. Is it the space then that we get through our meditation practice that can help us uh, survive this confusion or make it? Yeah, you're you're not separate from anything you're seeing. We separate ourselves because it's confusion, but the confusion has to have space in which to appear. So we realize that we've been the space in which the confusion appeared all this time. And we've been, we run away, we run, we close, slam the door, we go in the other room, we have a drink, we go for a ride, we, we uh, buy a race car. You know, we'd learn to walk on stills. That'll take up a lot of your time while you're a human being. I would say, uh, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored and difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. Train your mind. Don't let this body-mind go back into the elements, in other words, die, without being really clear about what this lifetime is. 
an emotion comes up and there's what seems to be a spontaneous physical reaction, like crying for no reason, yeah. is the physical manifestation an indication that there's belief going on there, belief in the emotion? No. No, it's just very simple. There's nothing extra. There isn't any belief. I'm not saying there couldn't be something happening there, but it's not not a problem. Nothing to do with it. So it may. It's it's so the the causes and conditions are so untraceable. Dependent origination means that there isn't anything that happened in the in the sixth century that isn't isn't showing up right here. Time is arbitrary. We're the ones who sit around and add up stuff and have little gadgets on our wrists. Or we have a phone that completely controls our life. No. It controls mine. And yours. We really only need one phone. <laughs> mine? <laughs> yeah. That'd be a phone. More? Where does the extra come from? Extra what? The additions onto the physical reactions it's it's a way of covering up the fear or covering up the the lack of what control or the feeling that you're you're at the mercy you're vulnerable and so that we want to do something with it um I, a long time ago i used to take care of monkeys in a binance research lab and i remember i was pretty young then but i remember uh, seeing the, the monkeys if you would come up and they feel felt threatened by you they would they would get mad, and then they would start to bite themselves, They'd bite their own, you know, because they're in a cage, they're in a really strange situation. I remember thinking at the time, or wondering what, what that was about, why are they doing that? And I think, I think it probably has something to do with, and I don't know this, but it probably has something to do with taking the mental pain or anguish or fear and turning it into the physical situation, because you can actually handle physical pain because it's it's physical pain, it's nerve endings. Whereas the nerve endings in our mind are just they're terrifying when those go awry and things start to threaten us. Paranoia, fear of something. My my experience of that with the contrast would be uh, um, in the late '80s. I went through a period of having claustrophobia where I, I couldn't be in the back seat of a car. It was just too unsettling. I just couldn't do it. So I tried to make myself do it, but then I just noticed that there, there was not no and slowly has kind of backed off. It was very strong. Hard to know the causes and conditions. We can speculate, but I think it's best not to speculate. Just just feel the feeling, just feel the emotion, rather than try to find a cause or a blame or something. Yes? Is there actually an addition that we're doing? No, we're, we're adding on to something. You're actually participating with your your little uh, little tiny mandala of being a human being in based on your self-centeredness on trying to get your way with dependent origination. Yes. How can we add anything if everything's dependently around you? That's exactly why. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I didn't make sense what I just said. Why are you accepting that? I'm not, I just don't know what to say. I like that. I only make sense as long as I to keep your attention. As soon as I start, stop making sense, and I lose your attention. So then I have to go back to making sense again. Yes? How does um, just observing the paranoia or fear help us see that there is no self? By just observing it, uh, because nothing lasts, everything that is any phenomena of any kind, whether it's mental, physical, 
whatever whatever it is, even spiritual, uh, doesn't stay the same. So by just by le- looking at it, if you object to it, it'll it'll remain. If you agree with it, it'll remain. And if you distract yourself from it, it'll haunt you. But if you don't do anything with it, but look at it, then it then you see the way in which it changes shape, and you begin to see that possibly where it gets its fuel from, how it's how it's establishing itself as a separate thing that is giving you problems. How can you see where it's getting its fuel from without conceptualizing that? Well, I have to use, I have to talk about it somehow. So I'm using a getting its fuel as an intense metaphor that involves gas lines and electricity wires. So I'm just saying there's some way that it's getting energy from it. You can see, you can look at something without necessarily being too elaborate. And you can even be aware that you're naming it. You can be aware that you're conceptualizing it. And I've never said, don't conceptualize. And if I have, then I made a mistake. I shouldn't do that. So be aware of it. Be aware that you're doing it. Be aware that you're using concepts to back away from something that you don't, that's too gooey, sticky, smelly to deal with. So you give it words and explanations around it. This is what we do when we when someone does something that causes us difficulty. Uh, just letting it be that way is difficult. So sometimes we'll blame we'll blame ourselves. Oh, there I go again. I don't know why I keep doing that. There I go again. I don't know why I keep doing that. Remove all the vowels. <laughs> what is it? What do they? What does James Joyce call that uh, in Finnegan's Wake? You know, we just read that recently. It's a volectomy? No. 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 Disembowelment. Disembowelment. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> Yeah, like they do with the, the meditation uh, place in New York is mindful with all the vowels. This is M-N-D-F-L. This is M-N-D-F-L. Mindful. Kind of a, uh, it's like, you know, modern. So people go there because it's cool. <laughs> They need to do a lot of block sitting there. <clears throat> I could help them with that. Yes. When we pull back a little bit to yes. observe, is that a little bit like saying netty, netty? Not this, not that. I mean, it feels like maybe a little bit of push away. Yeah, the netty, netty is a you know, uh, Hindu uh, tradition that, that I can see where they would be using that, but I, not this, not this, not this. Mm-hmm. I, don't I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't use that, but if you feel connected with that idea somehow, maybe a little bit. But pulling back a quarter of an inch is, I'm just using that as a as step back rather than saying not something or disagreeing with it. Just just see if you can't get a little bit wider picture on it without going getting too conceptual. So I, I think backing up a little bit, at least for me, uh, it translates into more space around the particular uh, clump of stuff that's that's causing difficulty. That's helpful just to get a wider angle. Yeah, just to view more of a, rather than a negative something or other. Yeah, rather than objecting to it, netty, not this, not mm-hmm. this, not this. You can kind of see what they were doing back in ancient times. This is actually before the Buddha. They were teaching that, I think. Doesn't that come out of the Upanishads or something? but it's been practiced for a long time over there. So, um, further questions? Okay, thank you.